now for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Along with Brad Thompson, I'm Dan McLaughlin. This is the Redbird Report, our podcast talking everything baseball specifically we're talking cardinal baseball and uh, i'm originating from san francisco brad is in st louis and he's got a big show at the fast lane uh today and really the station celebrating uh the life of chris duncan our our late great colleague and for you brad uh, first of all great to to see you and and visit with you over the computer but uh your former teammate as well and i know this is always a special day that you look forward to yeah, it is, man. I, I would love to be with you in San Francisco doing the game, but uh, it is a special day. We always celebrate Dunk's birthday, Cinco de Mayo. You know Dunk very well. So a Cinco de Mayo was a pretty darn good birthday uh, for my man Dunk. And uh, it's going to be a fun day today. Like uh, before, we're, we're recording this earlier in the day, uh, but today on the show, we're going to be talking to Dave Duncan is going to join us. Shelly Duncan, his brother. His wife, Amy, is going to be with us. Skip Schumacher, uh, Ryan Ludwig, among others. So uh, a lot of people just celebrating Dunk and his birthday. And, and dude, uh, Dunk, is he seems to come up somehow, some way, every single time we do a show. Like somebody either sends in a text or, or uh, we have a story that ends up coming to, around and getting to him. So um, just a great day to be able to celebrate, and we're excited to do it. I, I was, I was going to ask you, do you remember the first time you met Dunk? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a very quick meeting, too. Um, <laughs> I just went up to him and I said, hey, congratulations. You've made it to the big leagues. And and you know how Dunk was. He was kind of like, uh, you know, kind of jumpy and stuff. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, thanks a lot. You know, appreciate it. You know, yeah. And I said, well, you know, at some point, OK, gotcha. And then he was out and that was it. But my favorite was and I, I've told this a million times, but Dunk and I were doing some pre and post games. And um, and I finally I just said to him, I said, man, you are you're excellent at this stuff. Like you're really good. Like I, I, you know, and I had gotten to know him a little bit. And so now I could give him some trouble and have fun with him and, and realize the kind of guy that he was. Cause when you, here's the thing, Brad, when you guys play, I say this all the time and you know this better than anybody. When you play and you're a player, you're locked in on saving your ass. You're trying to make sure that you have a job. So you got that right. Yeah. So talking to me or talking to you now in this role, yeah, they're they're very accommodating and they'll do it. Some are better than others, but have the understanding that they're worried about facing the pitcher that night or you trying to get Ken Griffey Jr. out that night because you might have to. And so I get it. I, I go in with that mindset of, hey, this is their job, and I totally understand it, and here I am bugging them. But uh, Dunk says to me, and I, I we're getting done um, doing one of our post games, and he broke down a hitter, the pitcher, and the umpire. And it was great because he knew the umpire, and he said, hey, here's what happened in that at bat. He said, this guy went in, he got the call in, Yachty went in even further. Yachty's got a great relationship with the umpire. By the way, earlier in the game, the umpire didn't like the young kid that was at the plate. Yachty took advantage of it, and then we just went sequence to sequence to sequence of each pitch, and he broke it down beyond just how did he get him out. He said, Mm -hmm. here's the human element of the game. Here's the umpire who is going to make a point. And I hadn't really thought about that when I was watching it. And so we get done, and I said, man, you're, you're just great at this. And I said, but why why couldn't I really talk to you as a player? And he said, Dan, I, he said, I had no problem with you. Matter of fact, I really liked you. Papa Dunk, he liked you. He goes, the whole family, we liked you. You know, he does one of those. He goes, but I was just really worried about just catching a fly ball. 
I was just worried about catching a fly ball. <laughs> I said, worry about catching a fly ball? I said, you're a major leaguer. He goes, Dan, did you see me play defense? I said, point is valid. Yes, you should have been You should have been worried about catching a fly ball. So I love that story with him. And, um, and that kind of summed it up to me is that very intense, uh, driven to be a great player, and he was a very good player in the major leagues with tremendous power. But it, it when you're buried behind Albert Pujols in the system, you got to learn another job. And I, I don't think we ever gave him enough credit, Brad, on the other side of this, of growing up being Dave Duncan's son and yeah. Dave Duncan being on the staff. You know, if Dave Duncan was the pitching coach in Cincinnati or Chicago or whatever, and he's playing in St. Louis, that's a different story. But to be his son and then to play for that team – and the nepotism stuff and, oh, well, you grew up with Tony and you grew up with your dad and you're in a club, all that stuff. Well, no, he was a very good major league player that could hit bombs. And if he played in today's day and age in games, oh, my gosh, he's the prototypical 2022 player. He'd be perfect. He would be perfect. And I think you hit on a very important point there with Dunk. A lot of people look at his situation with Dave as his father and said, oh, well, harder it made it way harder on him the expectations everybody thinking that he didn't earn different things i know this he earned us a world series ring that's 2006 right. we don't win a world series if chris duncan doesn't do what he did uh coming up and supplying some power when we needed it most in 2006 so like i, I love telling stories about him i love talking talk about him him uh, with the fly balls you know <laughs> being concerned about that uh, a couple quick ones before we get on to to uh, the cardinals right now because they got a, a series against the giants and i know a game you got to get ready for uh but we were playing in chicago and you know that uh, the newspaper it's a little satire newspaper called the heckler that they used to have oh yeah i love so, that oh dude it, it was great it was great so i got ripped in this, that too i think so it's all well, good Dude, if you got ripped, you're doing something right exactly. because, you know, it's you, you got under their skin a little bit. Well, uh, Dunk, unfortunately, and just it didn't happen very often, but he might have boxed a fly ball. <laughs> and in the heckler the next day, there was a picture of Dunk under a ball, like waiting for it. But he had his two hands were cinder blocks <laughs> and they, they had him like that, the heckler. And he laughed his ass off like like Dunk as competitive as he was like, like he, he could uh, he, he could take the joy in that. And then we had another one in uh, in New York which kind of sounds like the same story due to the fact that Dunk might have misplayed a fly ball <laughs> in the outfield. And in New York, you know how long it takes to get to the stadium if you drive, right? If you end up taking a cab, it takes over an hour. If you take the subway, it's quick. Well, Dunk found himself on the cover of the sports page again. Uh -oh. uh, but this time, the, the real sports page, it was him. You, you know, you see the ball on the ground. You see him look defeated. So we're all on the subway together, probably four or five of us. And I always had a newspaper with me. I always doing the crosswords or whatever. But I saw a dunk on this one, so I figured I would make a little bit of a show out of it on the uh, on the subway. You know how you just pull out the newspaper and you slap it like, here we go. Let's see what's here. And then I gave a look at the front of the sports page and looked at Dunk. And Dunk's not sneaking in anywhere. He's huge. <laughs> so I look at him I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this you? And everybody on the subway's like, oh, that's him. <laughs> and, yeah, he was. I think he was mad at me for a minute because he wasn't happy about boxing the fly ball. But the guy, uh, you know this, everybody, Dan, if you make a, a mistake because it was effort-based, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And uh, Dunk Dunk didn't make mental mistakes. He might make some physical mistakes. He would also run through a wall. This day is so special to be able to talk about him on what would have been his 41st birthday. So uh, excited to celebrate it on the radio today. And uh, 
look, there's going to be so many fun, funny stories. I always find myself either well, generally crying because I'm laughing so hard with some of these stories. Uh, so hope to make it a celebration today. Yeah, I know it's going to be emotional for you and, and for Anthony and for those that uh, were very close with him at uh, 101 ESPN. Um, it kind of leads into this. We're going to find out if Juan Yepes can play the outfield. Um, you're not cool. going to play. You know, you're not going to play first base. Uh, you're 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 going to play. Um, you know, it, let me put it to you this way: if he continues to hit, he's going to play. Um, the Cardinals need offense. Clearly, when you look at what's happening here, they're pitching well. Got a great start again from Adam Wainwright. He's just up there flipping old Uncle Charlie and you know getting soft contact and 15 ground balls and one hit in seven innings. Old Uncle Charlie's, you know, mixing and matching and doing his thing. You got Miles going tonight. So your, your pitching has is, is been good. Your bullpen's been really good for the most part. But now you're trying to find offense. So Yepes gets the call. Sosa is on the COVID IL. Um, and I, I'm excited for the kid. He, he gets a couple of doubles yesterday. Bloop doubles, doesn't matter. Put it in play. And I think Ollie and the staff, I think their mindset is, Brad, at this point, if you come up or if you're in that lineup and you perform and you hit, you'll be in there the next day. It's performance-based, so uh, Juan Yepes is going to get a shot, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. They're looking for a spark, and however that spark comes, and I agree with you, I don't care in what fashion those doubles uh, were hit. There were a couple of doubles, and he was able to find himself on base, and uh, I really enjoyed that. I loved it after his second one where he hit it. I mean, he you couldn't have dropped it more perfectly right. on the line. And he just put his hands out like, well, I don't know. What? what? <laughs> it happens. That's hitting. But this is a guy, I mean, he had 27 home runs in the minor leagues last year. He added seven more in the Arizona Fall League. He had nine before he ended up getting called up. Actually hit his ninth on the day he did get called up. Well, the day he was supposed to get called up due to the fact that he got stuck in Washington and, and uh, didn't make his flight. Uh, but uh, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the opportunity because this this offense, and we've talked about it every which way, it's stagnant. And they, they need somebody and something to spur a little something. And, and just kind of shifting the conversation a little bit here uh, off of Yepes for a second. Uh, I liked how Ollie mixed up his lineup yesterday. Tyler O'Neill, there's only so long you can put him in the three hole. You had to do something else. You had to move him. They moved him to six. And what happened to him? Well, he responded, right? I like what Ollie did. Yeah, I, I think right now, Ollie, in looking at the lineup, there's frustration. You know, understanding that you're waiting for DeYoung. You're waiting for O'Neill. You're waiting for Dylan Carlson to be the guys that you've seen before. But as we've seen also from a year ago, you can't wait too long. I mean, the Cardinals had to have a 17-game winning streak bail them out of what was for about a month and a half a really poor year that buried them for a while, and then they crawled themselves out of that hole and made it to postseason play. I just get the feeling, Brad, that Ali is not going to wait that long. I don't think the front office will wait that long. And you've given guys a run of a month plus, and they're going to have to perform. And if not, you're going to try to find some other ways to generate offense. And we're talking about offense here. We're not talking about a lack of defense. We're not talking about guys that aren't showing up and not giving effort. They are. It's just about you have to perform, and that means offensively. And so I, I think this road trip is very important for some of those guys we mentioned to get it going. And if not, after the off day, you kind of catch your breath on Monday. It's 20 days and 20 games that'll be done, and then see what you have going into next week's homestand. Would you agree? The hard part, yeah, I would. I, I would. The hard part is, like, where is that line, and, and what does it look like? Well, you, you know, know where it is. I, I mean, it's everybody talking about Nolan Gorman. 
Sure. And then and then with that line, it's like, okay, well, how much time do you end up giving that individual? What what in fact do you do with Paul DeYoung? I was going to ask you, actually, do you think that this might be a series where we actually see Tommy Edmond at shortstop? Even though Sosa is not available currently, I could see Tommy Edmond at short, maybe even Donovan at second base. Yeah, I I think it's on the table. Put it that way. I I definitely think it's on the table. I want to go back to Gorman for a second. So if he comes up, he's going to play second. Then obviously you would make that transition with Tommy at, at short. The one thing about Nolan Gorman, I was looking at his numbers and we've talked about this. His strikeout rate is pretty high. It's jumped back up. He's in the mid to high 30s, I believe with all the power that he's giving you, which is fine. If you're going to get all that power, you trade off the strikeouts. That's the way the game is played now. However, in your experience, Brad, when guys make that jump from even level to level, but let's go you know, specifically with AAA to Major League Baseball, how much do you think that strikeout rate jumps, generally speaking, for some of these hitters? 10 percent potentially. I mean, there's some it's for for Gorman. And I I went back and watched some of his at bats here recently, too. A lot of his are are swing and miss out of the zone. It's not like he's getting called a a ton. I won't say it doesn't happen to him, but a a ton of borderline pitches. When you have a guy that has really good strike zone recognition, oftentimes getting to the big leagues is like the best thing that could happen to him because those balls that are in in Memphis that are getting called a strike that are one ball off the plate, they're going to be a ball in the big leagues most uh, most of the time. But most of his stuff is pitch recognition, swing and miss, and pitchers don't make as much mistakes, as many mistakes. So I could easily see him striking out 40% of the time early on when he comes up. But my thing is with that, you have a desperate need for power. You have a desperate need of a compliment from the left left side. And as a ball club, you strike out less than anybody else in baseball right. i think that you could handle That's having a, a guy like nolan gorman you know in, in that lineup so there's going to be trials and there's going to be trials defensively too and it's not and it won't even be in my opinion it won't even be what nolan gorman doesn't do he'll probably do everything that he's asked of it's what tommy Edmond did better than he did at the position that, yeah. that will be glaring to me. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point. I mean, that's the one thing with the offense, if you're looking for some of the bright spots, they are not striking out as a team collectively. Um, and, and you're right, with, with a guy like Gorman, maybe you live with that to have him walk into a two- or three-run homer and win you a game. Um, speaking of home runs, by the way, if I had to make my MVP ballot right now, it's Nolan Arenado. Now, I may be biased. I watch him play every day. But if you look at the numbers, and if you took his stuff out of the line, you took him out of the lineup, I'm not sure where the Cardinals would be. It's, You'd it's, be closer to the Reds than the Brewers. It, no question. This guy is accounting for like 35% of your home runs, you know, almost 30 to 40% of runs batted in or whatever the case may be. I mean, he has just been incredible. Uh, and this start, and he said I was going to make adjustments, and you see it too, Brad. Remember some of the pitches that he was yanking foul, hammered him, but yanked him foul. Now it's like the barrel is staying a little bit longer through the zone and gets the full extension, and then you see the damage done. The guy has just been a one-man wrecking crew. He's been awesome. So when I watch Nolan Arenado, I try to think of myself as a pitcher. How would I end up attacking him? You're seeing him with pitches even on the outer half, Dan, where he's trying to pull him. And, I, and, and your first thought is, okay, well, if you're going to try to pull that pitch outside, I'm going to take advantage of you inside. Good freaking luck because yeah, people are trying exactly. right now and his hands are so fast and he's able to get to anything inside. And you broke down really well during a broadcast that we did over uh, the Arizona series of his feet and how the feet are constantly in motion and how he kind of kind of picked that up. It, it was from Tulowitzki, correct? Right. 
2015 so, with Troy Tulowitzki. And, and and that just allows him to get to a lot of different pitches. Every once in a while, maybe you get caught in between, but it doesn't seem to happen very often for him because of how quick his hands are. I just don't know exactly how I'd pitch him. And I, I actually do. I'm pitching around him and I'm making somebody <laughs> else beat me. Yes. And that, uh, again, that's, that's where it comes to that DH spot, or at least what has been the DH spot generally fifth. Now we did see Albert Pujols uh, hit fourth in the DH spot yesterday against the Royals. But protection is going to be a big key for him because yesterday in the lineup, your three guys that have been hitting were one, two, three in Edmund and Goldie and Arenado. You're going to need more. You're going to need more protection. You're going to make sure that somebody else is going to beat me. If I'm if I'm the Giants, if I'm in there getting ready for this series, that's exactly what I'm telling my guys. Like that guy, that guy better not be the reason we lose this series. I think the Giants are fascinating. I, I, yeah, they I just, are. I, I got to. I got to be honest. I mean, watching them last year and looking at the lineup that they rolled out, and I look at the lineup, I watched their game against the Dodgers last night, and this is no disrespect whatsoever to the Giants, but it's not the it's not the Dodger lineup. It's not the, the, the mashers that you would think that would get you 100-plus wins, which they had last year, but they did such an excellent job with the matchups and mixing and matching righty-lefty, looking at the, the optimum uh, position to put a player in, and they all thrived. I mean, they, they found something that clicked with just about every guy. I was doing a bunch of research on this and how they used him. Gabe Kapler did a, a hell of a job in doing that, and and again, they're good uh, this year, Brad, and they, they should be in the thick of it. Obviously, you've added another wild card, so I would anticipate them being uh, in contention for the playoffs and, and certainly for the National League West. But, man, they get it done, don't they? They, they find a way to get it done. I, I think these four games will be fascinating to see both the managers, too, and how they manage this series. Because this is kind of – when we saw that Ali was named manager, to me I read into some of the things that were said about how Ali may change some lineups and do some different things, look for matchups. Well, this was kind of the, the example, the Giants, of how they did it. And I wonder if Ali will do a little bit of that this weekend. You could very well see it. You know how it is when you're trying to do stuff like that. The concept of it, of having all these optimal matchups, the concept is great. It's having a roster that can actually do it, exactly. which makes it difficult. Like everybody said, hey, do what the Giants did last year, right, for the Cardinals. You did not have pieces where you could match up that way. You just simply didn't have it. I think you do have a little bit more flexibility with your roster this year. But I really think, and a lot of people that are going to be watching the broadcast tonight over the weekend, will be, be looking at their roster and say, who the hell is Tyro Estrada? Or, or right. you know, who, who are some of these guys? Uh, Mauricio Dubon? Well, like, I don't know who any of these guys are. Well, and that's put my them point. In a good, yes. It's it. It is. And they put them in a good position to succeed. And you know what we've seen the Giants do this year, too? So what, what's been the biggest talking point in baseball so far to this point? It's been the lack of offense, right? The lack of home runs. Well, and, and the Cardinals fit into this a little bit, too. The Giants, you've seen them swiping more bags. Now, the Cardinals lead all of baseball uh, when it comes to stolen bases. So you, you're going to see that a little bit more, I, I would think, in this series. Um, and you know what else they do? They actually, and, and I'm going to use a, a bad word in 2022 right here. They bunt. Yes. They actually bunt. Ten bunts for hits like the, the Giants have. That is a part of their game. They're not afraid. To, you see a big shift, they'll drop it down, and they'll. They, there's no ego in that. Like I, I, I kind of dig it. I love it. I mean, I you know you know me, Brad. I'm a St. Louis guy. I don't know if you knew that. I, I hardly ever bring that up. And from South St. Louis, and grew up eight seven minutes, minutes from, away from the ballpark. That's right. Oh, right. eight, seven, eight, depending on who was driving that day. But uh, yeah, if it was my dad, we might have been there in two. <laughs> um, so 
watching the teams of the 80s, and again, it's about personnel, right? You had Vince, you had Willie, you had Ozzie, you had Terry Pendleton. You had guys that could move, bunt, and play the game at that that time, that kind of game. But, man, it was entertaining. And you and I were doing the games uh, this past homestand, and they were doing a little bit of that. That is fun for me. That's activity. That's action in the game. That's also, when you talk about the game, putting pressure on the defense. How many times do we say, boy, they, these guys are going to get tight because you feel the pressure of this bunt or a hit and run or those kind of – never. Uh-huh. So why not do that? And I think Ollie may have to do that with this lineup currently constructed. If they don't hit, you're going to have to get creative. And maybe that's some of the things that they do. You know how crappy some of the defenses are out there? Yes. Like, seriously, you watch a because lot of baseball. You, well, you, you sacrifice. I, I was flipping around last night. Okay, now you got me going. Did you get to I, the Phillies? I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see Joe Girardi getting booed? Welcome to Philly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're sacrificing all the defense and the, the nuances of the game to find the guys that can pop you the, the three-run homer. And that's just the way the game's played, right or wrong. But I think, and I've been saying this, I don't know if I'm right. I bet if there's an analytics guy listening, they're going to say I'm crazy. I do think there's a place for it. I think that if you don't have the personnel to hit the home runs like that or the game is changing, the ball is dead, the humidor is doing whatever it's doing, then then change on the fly. you got to adapt. Now, there are ways to do it, and I, and people say, why don't you bunt anymore? And I've asked people that, and they say, well, go good luck. Go try to bunt against Jordan Hicks. He throws 100 miles an hour with you know a, a sinker that moves two feet. I get it. It's not easy It's not to as do. easy as it looks, exactly. for sure. But I do think there's a place for it, and, and I do think that if you see the metrics and the game is going this way, you adjust on the fly. That's just how I would do it. So I, I think, and again, in this, you'll see in the game, you'll see a shift, a, a big shift against Nolan Arenado. I don't want Nolan to bunt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go, that, that, there's go some game. guys I don't want to see bunting. I don't, yeah, I don't want you to bunt. Uh, you know what, Harrison Bader? I do. Like, I, I think that Harrison Bader should be spending hours upon hours in the cage working on that craft. I, Harrison is, is a really good ball player but that bunt tool is not really there for him no or at least not as consistent as it should be for a guy that has his type of speed i know he's got gap to gap power i also believe he could pop 20 plus home runs a year and and be fine but i think that that's an added element and something that might be there for him especially when offenses are struggling well here's the thing about harrison too is that teams are shifting on him because he opens up and and it's going to show the metrics show it too he's he's going to pull everything but that first time that you push a bunt to the right side is now the next time that you're going to see a different shift with the defense. Now, they may be leaning towards second base, but you might open up a hole on that side because you kept them honest. The second baseman has got to be on that side of the bag. Even showing it, just show it. Maybe not get it down, but just just show that you're trying to push it that way. Might open up something. So it's something to think about, I think, with your your thought process there with Harrison. Yeah, well, with him, and he's not the only one. I just use oh, him yeah, as an sure. example of a guy that can really utilize his speed. Look, Dylan Carlson, he's struggling mightily with the bat. You you see an opening, drop one down. Yeah. You know, like maybe that gets something going for you. Get on base, spark the team, have a little energy there because Dylan Carlson has not looked good at that play. He's hitting a buck 86, he's slugging 252, and he just has not hit his groove yet. Soft contact, are, everything. Yeah. Everything's yes. oh, soft contact. Looked, if you want to see a, a horror story, go look at his baseball savant page. I mean, uh, it, it, ain't, yeah. it ain't great right now. A lot no. of blue. Blue's not good if you're not familiar with baseball savant. So, yeah, you're right. None of the hard hit stuff is there. You and I are both huge believers in Dylan Carlson. And the organization are huge believers in Dylan Carlson. He's going to be just fine. But it's been a slow start. So what do you do to be able to jumpstart yourself a little bit if you're him? Maybe it is a little bit more of the small ball. 
All right, let's wrap it up with this. It's uh, Michaelis going today. Um, this guy, he's gotten Alcantara. He had Scherzer. And then he had Merrill Kelly. So those are the three last three that he's been matched up with. And he's gone toe-to-toe with those guys and, and given the club a chance to, uh, to to win those games. We've talked about, well, what was a key going into the season? How about a healthy Miles Michaelis being one or two on that list? Not only is he healthy, Brad, but he's pitching better than he was when he was an 18-game winner. So we're, we're seeing the best right now, I think, of Miles uh, going into this start tonight. And Miles might end up giving you 200 innings this year. Like yeah. that, that could very well happen. And we know how rare of a feat that is. It was 206 and two-thirds, I believe it was, or a third that Adam Wainwright gave the organization uh, last year. You just don't see too many guys doing that. But seven and a third last time out against Arizona, seven innings last time out against the Mets. You're right. He's drawing the, the best of the best when he's going out there. And uh, when I watch him, I look at a guy that's healthy, first of all, like he is free. He is easy. He's talked about how good he feels and and how long it's been since he felt that way. And it's another you mentioned Adam Wainwright earlier, his 15 ground ball outs. That's Michaelis to me. It's weak contact. He can get his strikeouts, Dan, when he really wants to, if he's, you know, get somebody to two strikes. But that is never the goal, or at least it shouldn't be the goal. Let's get outs as quickly as possible, and he's doing that with each and every one of his pitches. Hey, buddy, this is fun. Uh, love doing this with you, and I'm sure we'll uh, catch up either Monday or Tuesday of next week. We'll do a couple a week at least, and uh, love doing this, and it should be a fun series here in San Francisco. Hey, you have fun in San Francisco. Enjoy uh, the city, and hopefully we enjoy a series win. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to having you tuned in and, and talking about Chris Duncan, our, our good friend, and I know one of your best friends, and you wouldn't be in this business without him. I know he got you going, so looking forward to that. No, it's going to be a fun day celebrating the the uh, the life of Dunk, and we'll tell some stories, and we'll have a good time. All right, buddy. That's uh, Brad Thompson. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and this is our podcast, The Redbird Report. Wherever you may get your podcast, make sure and click on us, download it, and uh, we'll talk a little Cardinal baseball for you. Thanks for uh, tuning in on The Redbird Report. You've been listening to The Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and cards World Series champion, Brad Thompson, on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.